I'm glad to be with you this morning. It's an awesome day. It, we serve a faithful God. How many people would say amen to that? Even when we're not faithful, he's faithful. He reminded me of that scripture this week as he was speaking. And uh, so I want you to turn to John chapter 4 uh, in your Bibles. John chapter 4. And uh, I want to bring you a message uh, that I believe is for today, August 2nd, 2020. Real Life Church, I believe that this is a rhema word from the Lord. So let's pray. Uh, Father, we come to you in the name of your son Jesus, who is holy, worthy, majestic, wonderful. Nothing compares to the name above all names, at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord Jesus. And we ask you this morning that you would speak to us, that you would purify us, that you would call us out of complacency, that you would that you would shine light into our darkness, that the spirit of pride would not have a hold in our lives, that we would lay things down that are inhibiting us from your fullness. We bind the spirit of pride this morning that would come against the, the eyes of men and women, inhibiting them from being able to see your truth, and that would bind their ears from hearing your word today. Father, we, we ask you to loose the presence and the anointing of your Holy Spirit over us as we enter your word today and that you would be made famous in our lives. Release, release what you want to release today. But we're asking you that miracles would be released, that signs and wonders would be released in us and through us and that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it already is in the heavenly places where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. John chapter 4 uh, this morning, and somebody was probably just looking at their watch and realizing what time it is, but if you'll help me this morning, I believe that I'm anointed to bring you this word quickly. So if you'll help me this, just be involved this morning, be excited about what the Lord has for you this morning, because it's something significant John chapter 4 if you're ready say we're ready. ready here's the other thing that I want to remind you of really quickly get yourself a paper Bible I have the app on my phone but I also have Facebook and I have Twitter and I have uh, Instagram and a thousand other things that ding while I'm reading the Bible that distract me from my ADHD that I was born with that I don't want to be cured from because it gives me extra energy, right? Um, I'm okay with who God made me to be, but I have a paper Bible. Get you a paper Bible because if you haven't begun to notice, the people that control the internet, whoever those people might be, uh, influence the truth that's published. And there might come a day soon where the truth of God's word is being influenced by the people. Get yourself a paper Bible. Carry it with you. It's a testament and a testimony to God's faithfulness. John chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself does not baptize, but his, but his disciples did, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. And so he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot 
of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as the sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said, Well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not even your husband, in which you spoke that truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe in me, the hour is coming when you will neither when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father and worship that which you do not know. We worship, we worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, her I, I, who, I am who you speak of. And in verse 27, it says this. And at this point, the disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, who do you seek or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot and went with her on her way to the city and said to the men, Come see a man, come see a man who told me all of the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, the disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have no food to eat. I have food to eat of which you do not know. And then the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And then he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying it is true, one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap for what you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. 
and we see this woman, this Samaritan woman, this, this, uh, this racially confused woman and this, uh, uh, raci this racially mixed woman and this racially confused culture, the Samaritan culture. And Jesus encounters her and he encounters her at a well where she was alone because of the shame that was on her life. The, 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 uh, the women that took care of the homes in that day, they would generally go at a specific time of the day together to the well. This woman well knew uh, this woman well knew that these women would go at a certain time, so she went at another time, this time that Jesus encountered her at the well. And uh, she, had a, she had a problem. She had a, she had a, a cultural problem. She had a personal problem. She had a historic problem. And I want to tell you, I just believe that today that we have embraced uh, too much of what's happening in the world. In fact, we're not to be embracing what's happening in the world, but these things have crept into the church, and so they're represented here in our lives today. And, and what I'm speaking of is just as the Samaritan woman had embraced these problems in her culture, these problems in, in her own life, they'd become her identity. She didn't know who she was. She'd lost herself and she'd never found it. She was trying to find a purpose in a relationship individually as a, as a wife over and over again. And Jesus ministers to that. And he says to her, you're, you've had five husbands and the sixth man that you're with, you're not even married to. But the seventh man that she met changed everything in her life. The seventh man, Jesus, changed everything and shifted everything that was in her life. And you might be here today and you might be dealing with some problems deep inside your life that have marked you and become the identity of who you are but Jesus did not see the fact that just he did not just see the fact that this woman was having issues in relationships because she didn't know who she was he saw right into the woman and saw the person that he had created for her to be and I want to speak to somebody that's trapped in something that's holding on to them it might be alcoholism it might be drugs it might be pornography it might be a many of the the other sexual confusion and uh, or adultery or things that are happening in the church just as they're happening in the world and I'm glad you're here today if you've got issues going into your life because this place is not a country club for Christians it's a hospital for those that are spiritually sick that need to come in and get well so you're in the right place but you need to understand that God has not given you an identity to deal with your circumstance but he's given you an identity that has to do with what he's created for you to be and there's a purpose that he's created for you to be this is why we've got the education system in our country all wrong in the world basically all wrong the word education comes from the the, the latin word educare you maybe you've heard me say this before in conversation or in a message i'm passionate about this because it speaks to the way that god made us the word educare in the latin means to draw out 
We say in education, your value is determined by what we place into you. God says your value is determined by the seed that I've put into you. And it's the job of the body of Christ and the leaders around you to draw that out from you that I've already placed inside of you. And so there's, there is purpose that's already been placed inside of you that you were born for. There's a seed of purpose. There's a seed of generational blessing. There's a seed of promise. There's a seed of hope that I want to draw out of you today just a little bit and say just as she was struggling with these things that had bound her and she was struggling with this identity that she was walking in to the point that she was ashamed of, of, of who she was and was around no one that when Jesus encountered her she when Jesus encountered her and she encountered Jesus it was the first time she actually encountered her let me say that one more time I said, when she encountered Jesus and Jesus encountered her, it was really the first time she had ever encountered herself. Because who she had created, who she was created to be was found in Jesus Christ. And who you're created to be, who you're created to be in the midst of whatever you're going through today is found in Jesus Christ. And in a few moments today, maybe you'll be one of the ones at this altar that's, that's praying and that's being prayed for. And for the first time in your life ever, you will encounter the person that you were created to be because you'll find that person in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. She had a, a cultural problem because the culture was teaching her how she needed to find God. She had a personal problem, but she had a cultural problem in John 4. Because she said, you say you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem and we kind of think it's on this mountain. But none of us really know, do we? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Because there was a desperation within her religion for something that was real. That was amen worthy. I said there was a desperation. There was a desperation within her religion that was demanding something that was real. The Jews were demanding something that was real. Judaism was not going to get them there without the Messiah they begin to realize and people are being swept into the kingdom and now the Samaritans and the Gentiles they're beginning to be swept into the kingdom here in John chapter 4 because there's a demand in their religion for something that's real and their religion was only empty because Jesus Christ wasn't there and wherever Jesus is he's saying there's fullness wherever Jesus is there's a he's an everlasting well that when you drink from it you'll never thirst again why because you'll have a relationship with that everlasting well whose name is Jesus who will become the source for your life somebody say amen this morning she had a cultural problem her, the culture was defining how she could relate with others, how she could relate with other ethnicities, how she could relate with men, how she could relate with uh, uh, Jews, how she could relate with Jesus. 
And our culture has dictated for so long how people will come to Jesus. But I'm declaring to you today that it's a new season and that things are shifting and that the mountains of this culture are plummeting. But we should rejoice when the we should rejoice as the body of Christ and as the church that when the economies of this world are, are failing, that the economy of God is prevailing and that the economy of God knows how to prevail in the education system and the economy of God knows how to prevail in the government and the economy of God knows how to prevail in the marketplace and knows how to prevail in the home because it's perfection that's built on the kingdom of heaven that Jesus says that when we pray, we should pray that those things that are already in heaven would come to earth. Somebody say amen. And so he's drawing. He's, sometimes we're like, God, draw these things out of us. It's the exact opposite of what he normally does. Nothing's normal about Jesus, but he works according to his promises. And he didn't say, I'm going to call things out of you. He said, I'm going to call you out of things. And religion says we need God to call things from us. God, call this addiction from me. God, call this brokenness from me. God, call these sinful desires from me. And what he's doing the whole time, he's saying, I never called you to those desires. I never called you to live in that place of bondage. I've called you from that place to me. We're calling, we're, we're calling to him. We're saying, set me free. And he's saying, the place of freedom that you've already found is at my altar. And you need to find that place of freedom in me Jesus Christ day after day after day and he says to this woman he says if you would drink from the water that I would give you living water that you would never thirst again I, I can only imagine in this woman first of all she's thinking why me like why couldn't have this been one of the times that I had a husband so he could talk to him like why did I have to be undone in front of in front of this guy that, who's obviously a prophet is what she's saying. Like, why do I have to live in shame? Why do I have to? And then all of a sudden, she's being called from that shame and that bitterness and that brokenness and that personal history and that cultural history. And she, she begins to be called to something that's not about her history, that's not about her culture's history, but to something that's going to make history that would be recorded in John chapter 4, that we would read in this place, August 2nd, 2020, that would not only have changed the world, already but that would change your world today this woman was called from a place who was caught in her personal history who was caught in her cultural history and Jesus said come with me and I'm going to teach you how to make history and I'm saying there's an army that's being raised up in the body of Christ right now and everybody that finds themselves in a church isn't going to be a part of this army amen just because you take your lawn chair and go sit in the middle of your garage you can sit there, you can sleep there, you can stay there, you can spend your vacation there. You are not going to turn into a car. You can come and you can sit in the church and you can be here on Sunday and you can be here on Wednesday and you can be in a small group and you can be in this thing and you can serve at that thing. Just because you're in the church doesn't mean that you've become a part of the body. Somebody say amen. And God is raising up 
an army from his body that's not unlike what we see in Ezekiel chapter 37, where the things that the world has thought were antiquated and dead and dry and broken, and the church has even looked back into the body and saw that it's become dead and dry and broken because it's them, because it's not him. He's saying, wherever I am, there's life, but I'm, if I'm not there, there's no life. If I'm not there, there's no well. If I'm not there, there's no water. In Ezekiel 37, we see the prophet being called to speak life back into these bones. And it's exactly what I feel like God wants me to do today. Is speak life back into his body and declare in the name of Jesus that bones are coming back together. And that body, the body of Christ is being Formed, reformed in the image of Christ that we're being remade into his likeness that the world would see fullness. So, see, what we have, what we have is not a his history problem. We don't have a history problem. We got problems. We don't have a history problem. It's not the history of the pandemic that's our problem. This isn't the worst pandemic that our country's ever even faced. We don't have a historic problem. We don't, have a, we, don't have a, we don't have a history problem. It's not the history of racism that's impeding us from the fullness of Christ today, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not that. It's not a history problem. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not historic government policy that's being shifted and that's being changed. That's not the problem. It's not the historic riots that people are calling historic that I don't even think were historic compared to the riots, for instance, that were happening in 1968. But the media would like you to believe that they were. It's not a riot problem. It's not that history. It's not the historic elections that we're up against on Tuesday in November. That's not the problem. Look at somebody and say to them, that's not the problem. That's, what, but that's where everybody's looking. That's where everybody's looking. Everybody's looking at least one of those places. A lot of people are looking at a lot of those places. They're trying to make sense of all these things. The enemy is a deceiver. John chapter 10 says that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And the only way he's going to do that is if he's going to try to talk you out of something that you've already been given. The scriptures, I, I believe I'm talking to mainly born-again, spirit-filled Christian people today. And I'm saying to you today, the only way that you are going to, the, the, the only way the devil is going to get anything from, from you is if you give it to him. The only way that he's going to, the only way that he's going to occupy something in your life is going to be if you surrender it to him, right? The scripture says every spiritual blessing has already been given to us in heavenly places. I believe that's Ephesians 1 or 2. We don't have a history problem. Everybody's looking at history. Everybody's looking, well, look at the history of this pandemic. Well, look at the history of, and I believe that, I believe that Black Lives Matter, but I don't believe in the movement called Black Lives Matter because it's demonic, it's fascist, right? It's, uh, it's bringing, there, there will be condemnation that they've brought on their own heads in this next season in the name of Jesus. But what I'm saying to you is, it's not even really about those things. Because within racial injustice, within gender injustice, that has always been a part of the history of the world, the only thing that brings equality is the cross of Christ. 
So you can look forever and ever and ever and another day too at the inequalities that exist in history, at the problems that exist in the history of the world, at the, at the problems that presently are presented in our country between, between remaining free in the, in the natural and, 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 and entering into socialistic, communistic bondage, fascism in the natural, and it's rooted in a spiritual causation where the Holy Spirit is resisting, but the church is wondering what should we do because they're looking at this giant that they're faced with seemingly because of the media, and they're thinking, I'm wondering if, if David is big enough to take down Goliath. But I'm saying to you today, it's we're looking in the wrong place. It's the same thing that we see in Numbers chapter 13 when the spies are sent into Egypt, into the promised land to see how good it is. And 10 of them come back and say, we can't do anything. We were grasshoppers in our own sight compared to the giants that possessed that land. And when God is calling you to possess something, it does not matter if it's in your own sight or if it's in reality, that when he's called us to do something, he's called us to do something. And that's why when the Holy Spirit was speaking to me at the beginning of this pandemic and saying, you know, you can look at the things that are happening and you can pray, but don't be fixated on the things that are happening because there's more that's happening that you're not seeing than you are seeing and that Many of these things were formed by the enemy to take the eyes of the church off of the real reason for why they exist. And in John chapter 4, we see a woman who was caught in her, in her personal history and trapped by it and caught in her cultural history and she was trapped by it. And Jesus said, if you'll follow me, you'll follow me in a way where we will, we will make history together. And I believe, that, I believe that this is a message for today because I believe that God isn't calling us to look backwards into our history any longer, but to look forwards into the things that he's calling us to do. And so this is not about history. Listen to me. One point message. This is not about history. This is about harvest. I declare it in the name of Jesus that nothing that you're seeing in the world today either in the spirit or the natural, is about history, but it's about harvest. And if we would get minds towards the harvest, we would see history shift and change in ways that we never thought possible because the body would be enabled and equipped and sent out to do what God has called us to do. The problem was, this woman got it, but she didn't represent the church in this parable, in this story. In the, not parable, but in this encounter. She didn't represent the church. The disciples represented the church. Boy, were they going about business as usual. Jesus is, Jesus is here at Jacob's well. Uh, remind you, she's speaking even of her history when she says, Is this any better than what our forefathers had for us? Because what our forefathers had for us was pretty good. That's why I keep coming back to this well. I want to tell you right now, I believe we live in the greatest nation on the face of the globe because of the godly people that are in it. Listen to me. But if you're going to keep your eyes on the elections you're going to miss what God is desiring to do. If you are going to fixate on a political candidate that they would be the saver and the redeemer, 
you are going to be sorely disappointed because I am declaring to you prophetically right now for the very first, I haven't said these words before publicly, but I'm saying to you today that the church will hold the answer and be what influences the election. And if the church will press towards revival, we will see the elections move in such a way where blessing will fall again on this nation and it will become a nation that's known as followers of Christ. Listen to me. But if the church does not choose revival, if the church chooses history, if the church chooses existing, if the church chooses staying in suffering and in problems, then we will live in such a way that reaps those rewards in our culture because he's given us influence that we've laid down and allowed other people to prostitute and use for decades and for generations. But I'm saying enough is enough and it's time to reclaim what God has entrusted us with. Somebody say amen. amen. The disciples, the disciples come back and they encounter Jesus and they're kind of like, what's going on here? But nobody wants to ask them because they're like, Jesus, you have a high moral standard here. You're hanging out with this lady that we know doesn't have a good reputation because she's here by herself. You're like, what are you do? What's going on here, Lord? Right? But they don't say that. They're like, hey, uh, we just stopped by McDonald's. Uh, do you want anything to eat? He's like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm not hungry. What? How are you not hungry? I mean, like, we had to go get, how are you not hungry? Well, my food is to do the will of my father. And he begins to speak to them about their hearts. And I want to speak to you for a couple of moments. And I promise you, people were asking me last week, saying, I said I was going to close, and I did. I promise you I'm going to close. But the, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. The Holy Spirit wanted to speak to these disciples. And Jesus begins speaking to these disciples. And he's not like, what kind of a messed up crew are you that are following me? It's not what he said. He said, don't you say. They didn't understand. They didn't understand what it meant when he said, my food is to do the will of the father who sent me. He's talking about the same satisfaction that that woman was searching for where she could drink and drink and never get enough. He said, I can give you something that will cause you never to thirst again, and it's me. He looks at his disciples in the other direction, and he's saying to them, there's an emptiness that can only be filled with the purpose that I have for your life. And you think that McDonald's is going to fill the purpose, but it never will. I am only the one that can fulfill the purpose that's in your life. You thought that the business that you started is going to fulfill that void that's in your life. You thought that the children that you had are going to fulfill that purpose that's in your life. You thought when it was the grandchildren, because it gets better, you thought when your retirement account hit a certain quotient that everything was going to be uh, fulfilled. You thought that there was going to be fulfillment, but you're only finding emptiness. That's what the Holy Spirit speaking to you today. He said to the disciples, though, don't you say four months still and then the harvest? And they're like, well, yeah, we've heard that said before. Right? They're farmers, right? It's in a it's in a rural culture like this culture right here in Eaton County or wherever you live. Rural, rural, right? Lansing's still rural. If you really go to a big city, it's rural, right? It's like small town. He's saying, you guys understand the harvest. You, you plant and then you harvest. You plant and then there's a season of growth and then there's a harvest. The problem is 
You think the harvest is always four months away, but it's not four months away, it's now. And he said, lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, for they're white, with har- white and ripe with harvest. And the Bible's very clear that as the disciples lifted up their eyes, they saw this city of people coming to meet Jesus. A city of people that was condemned by the Jewish culture because of their history. Led by a woman who was condemned because of her history personally, even in her culture, and said, come and see the man that told me everything that I ever did. And they come, and, 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 and biblical historians say that it's likely that they were even, because of their culture, dressed completely in white garments as they're coming. And Jesus says, he, he likens what's happening in the physical to what would be happening in agriculture when a wheat field turns white and is ready for harvest. He's saying, they're ripe and they're ready. You never saw them as a harvest field because you were only looking at the history of what was happening. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is directly calling to you today. I believe the Holy Spirit is directing and calling your hearts today in this place. I believe the Holy Spirit is directing and calling people that, didn't, that don't know their identity of who they are in Christ. And so they thought, well, if I get in the church and I just fake it until I make it. No, no, no. You need to be born again into the part of the body that God has called for you to be. And there are no orphans in the body of Christ, right? There are only all of us that have been adopted. So if you don't feel like you belonged, you need to respond to what God is speaking today. Listen to me. But there's many people here today that find themselves in the same mindset and in the same culture and in the same capacity the disciples had. They're like, hey, we're following you, we're serving you. It's time to go get something to eat. We go get, do you want something to eat, Jesus? We got you covered. We know you're busy. We know you're the man, right? And it's, he's like, no, I don't even need anything because you don't get what you're supposed to be getting. If you got what you were supposed to be getting, you wouldn't be concerned about your stomach. You'd be concerned about the harvest. If you got what you were supposed to be getting, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be concerned about the the defilement of this culture, you'd be concerned about the harvest that's there. If you got what you were supposed to be getting, you wouldn't keep delaying the fact that you were called to go out and bring in the harvest by three or four months. You'd say, it's time to harvest now. And he said this, and I say this as the close of my message. He said to you, you've heard it said that you would sow and then you would reap. But listen to me in this season. I believe this is prophetic for this church and this season. He said, in this season, you will reap, but you will reap where you haven't even planted seed. Because you'll be partnering with people that have planted seed for generations. And I'm speaking today, and I'm declaring over you that this church will reap a harvest where it hasn't even sowed seed. But don't be discouraged. Don't get bound up into the history of things. Don't get bound up into things. What, what were you can't make injustice by dealing with ju- with un- injustice. You only can you can only deal with injustice by dealing with justice. You can't deal with racial injustice 
by bathing in racial injustice. You can only deal with racial injustice by going to the cross. And the church needs to repent, but not because it's white or not because it's black or not because it's brown, but because we have not put the cross of Christ as the central place for where we operate from. And we're thirsty and we're hungry and we're like the church in Revelation where Jesus said, you, you say to me you don't need anything, that, 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 you don't, that you have all the riches and the things that you need, but you're really actually, if you could look with spiritual eyes, destitute and broken and wretched. And I believe that if we would understand with a spirit of repentance, I, I'm declaring this prophetically. I know this is being recorded. I know that if it's not true, but it is true, so I don't care, right? But I know if it's not true, if people are going to be heckling me on social media for months, right? It doesn't matter to me because I know that this is what the Lord has. It's up to our obedience. I know that harvest, I know that for more than 12 months, the Holy Spirit said, watch September and October. I know that the Holy Spirit's being poured out, but I know that pride has to be driven out from the church. And that as disciples, we have to understand that the harvest isn't then, the harvest is now. And the only way we do that is through repentance. So I want you to stand to your feet in this place. I'm not going to make this, this altar call go long. I'm not going to let it be drawn out. But I believe God's met with you today. I believe God spoke to you today. I believe in even my inept capacities and my simple presentation of the good news that God has richly spoken to you today. But I believe there deserves a response. And maybe you find yourself like this woman tied up in the bondage of her personal history or caught in the bondage of her culture. Or maybe you're like the disciples today and you're caught in the bondage of religion and the way you thought you, thought you had everything figured out. But you just realize there's more. The more is in the harvest. It's not the history. It's the harvest. Stop looking into the history of things and look into the harvest fields for the right. So if that's you today, I want to pray a prayer of, of, uh, with solidarity over us as the body. That we, would, uh, that we would turn to the calling that God has on our lives. And if that's you today and you say, I'm responding to that. I'm responding to that as a disciple. I'm responding to that as somebody that's broken and in bondage. I want you to come and I want you to fill this altar right now. I want you to come and I want you to fill this altar with people that are deciding. Right now, don't wait. People that are deciding, I am going to lay down whatever's been holding me back and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve, I'm going to serve the well that never runs dry. I'm going, to, I'm going to follow the calling that never runs out, the calling to harvest. If that's you, you run up here and fill this altar right now. If that's you, you come right now. You come right now. You come right now. Come right now. No shame. No shame. No shame. No shame. No shame. What I'm asking the Lord for is that supernaturally, not because of our will, because of the will of the Holy Spirit, that we would be transformed and that a spirit of repentance would fall on us in this place right here, right now. God said he's restoring his voice to his pulpits and he's restoring, he's restoring his miracles to his altars. And I believe that right now that there's a spirit of pride in the church in North America that's leading us to think we don't need to repent, but they do. But I'm telling you, we need to repent because we do. 
We don't need to repent for them. We don't need to repent for something we didn't do. We don't need something on our list that doesn't need to be on our list. But we need to lay down our lives and lay down our pride that we would see his kingdom come and his will be done here in this place as it already is in heaven. So I'm going to pray over you. And as I'm praying, I want you to pray. Sometimes you all just like to be quiet and just let me be the loud, crazy guy. But while I'm praying, I want you to pray. I want you to open up your mouth. I want you to start to lay things down. Maybe you're laying down identities. Maybe you're laying down identities and bondages and things that have caught that have caught you and held on to you. Maybe you're laying down cultural things that have defined you historically. Maybe you're laying down the fact that you've been looking at history instead of the harvest. Whatever it is, begin to lay it down right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, I'm asking you to let your Holy Spirit fall on this place and fall on this altar. God, that we would that we would walk in the spirit of repentance, that we would walk in the spirit of repentance, that we would walk under the, the anointing that was on Elijah as he called to repent, the anointing that was on John the Baptist, the message of repentance. God, that we would repent and that we would return to you as our source. And God, as economies are failing and falling around us, God, I just declare prophetically and thank you and rejoice that your economy is not falling, but it's covering, and you're covering your body. You're covering your body. You're covering your people. And Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for protection. I thank you in Jesus' name for freedom. I thank you in Jesus' name for new identities being released. I thank you in Jesus' name in this place for the power of your Holy Spirit birthing and bringing abundance in every heart and every life. God, I thank you for the call being released on people to creatively go and bring your influence into the mountains of influence that are all over in our culture and in our world. God, I thank you for illumination coming where there's bondage and where there's death and destruction. God, that you're illuminating and that you're bringing freedom right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit says he's going to heal some people this morning. There's somebody with a heart problem. I think it's an arrhythmia. Whoever that is, the Holy Spirit's going to heal you. If that's you right now, you got a heart rhythm problem, a heart rhythm problem. Whoever that is, wave your hand at me right now. Heart rhythm. Be healed in Jesus' name right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We push that rhythm out that's, that's demonic and we release the rhythm of the Holy Spirit that, that Ryan was created to live by. In the name of Jesus, a new heart, a new rhythm. And God, prophetically, also spiritually, you're releasing your heart that beats to a different rhythm than the rhythm of this world. Complete it today in the name of Jesus. 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 There's somebody struggling with some sort of uh, infection that's been prolonging in their life. I don't know if it's, it's something personal that you don't want to share, but some, court, some sort of, of infection. Um, I don't know if it's internal, if it's external, something that just it keeps returning. Some, some sort of returning infection or disease. Who is that? Who is that? Somebody in here. Just heard the Holy Spirit say that. I see. Okay, right there. I release healing in the name of Jesus right now. And I command that which is not of you to leave her body. And I, and I, and I thank you for protection 
I thank you for wholeness. I thank you for healing right now. Pain, get out in the name of Jesus. And God, when you said you're restoring all things, restore her body right now to its former state, God, before, before this prolonged disease, before this prolonged infection. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's in Jesus' name. Somebody with pain in their left hip right now. Somebody with pain in their left hip. Left hip pain? Get out in Jesus' name right now. Go, pain, in Jesus' name right now. And I release healing into her hip, a, a new hip in Jesus' name that would reflect the newness of the heart that she has towards you. In Jesus' name, this hindering pain, go in Jesus' name right now. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Father, we pray over every need that's represented here in this house. We say that you've already made a way and that you are a miracle worker and we release those miracles in this place. Not just the ones that are needed, but the ones that they will carry to release this week as they meet people in the workplace and on the street and in the store that need a touch from you, that are dealing with prevailing fear and, and the bondage that lies within that, but God, that you would bring freedom and that you would minister to needs in the way that you only you can do. God, give us harvest this week. God, give us eyes for the harvest, but give us harvest this week. Divine appointments, God, souls. God, people, people getting free and the kingdom of darkness being dispopulated and the kingdom, uh, uh, your kingdom, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven being populated with thousands of souls. God, we thank you for the outpouring of your spirit that's here and that's coming. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Have an awesome, awesome week. Go in the peace and in the love of Jesus. Hi, this is Pastor Andy Shaver. And I hope you've enjoyed this message. You know, the greatest joy of our ministry here is to see people encounter God in a relevant way and discover His plans and purposes for their lives. We exist to see their eternities altered through a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, you can have present and eternal peace no matter what your present circumstances are. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 that He has a heart for the hurting and the broken. The Bible teaches us in the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 teaches us that if we confess our sins to him, Jesus is faithful to hear us and forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you to do that right now. Until next time, remember God loves you, and so do we.